Something New is supported by listeners like you. Visit joelbnew.com and help this podcast continue to grow, thrive, and be a part of the creative conversation. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 4 of Something New. I am your host, Joel B. New. How's everybody doing? How's everybody... How's your two weeks been? How... Have there been any major holidays since then? Um, wow, I'm really not thinking. I am walking the dog on Sunday evening, because multitasking makes everything better and funnier. Um, so yeah, so uh, before we get to today's episode, I just wanted to uh, say a few words and check in on my favorite people, the people who listen to something new, who's made it five years strong. You guys, so bananas, five years. Um, so I don't know if you listen to, if you are an avid podcast listener, good for you. Uh, you've probably heard on other podcasts that there's this movement, uh, in the month of March, 2017, where all of us are, all of us podcasts are encouraging our listeners to, uh, expand our universe and tell people, tell your friends and neighbors and family members who maybe don't listen to podcasts, or maybe they don't know what a podcast is, um, to, uh, check one out, see what all the fuss is about. And when you do, if you choose to tell them about my show, or there are so many other great shows out there and you want to tweet about it or Instagram about it or whatever, Make sure you use the hashtag tripod. <laughs> Get it? But it's T-R-Y. Like you're telling people to try out podcasts. So hashtag tripod. It's, uh, it's a whole podcast phenomenon thing happening right now across all the different podcasting networks. I think it's kind of cool. And I'm happy to be part of that community. And thank you all for listening. And thanks for spreading the word about independent theater podcasts and all the other ones that you listen to. I'm walking Strider. That's what's happening right now. This is the multitasking, not just the walking outside part. Like there is an actual goal, which he has not done yet. But you know what? I have hope. I have hope. As you've seen, I have started to encourage a little bit more podcast listener outreach. So if you have any questions for me, if you want to know uh, anything about my writing process, projects that I'm working on, if you have any questions about previous guests that I've interviewed, or if there's anyone that you're dying for me to talk to, uh, please... Hey, sorry. <laughs> Strider. There's so many different ways to reach me on social media, my website, which was recently completely renovated. And let me know what your questions are. Now through sometime in early June, I think... I'm taking questions, and everyone who asks a question uh, gets their name thrown into a hat. And you will be in the running to win a an exclusive Something New podcast mug, which only so far guests and previous contest winners have had the privilege of owning. So if you... Want to be listening to your something new episodes snuggled at home 
or at the office. Yeah, people probably listen to this at the office. Why not? Um, and you want to be doing it with the luxury of a of an exclusive podcast mug. Um, this is the way to do it. And if you want to know stuff, I mean, who doesn't want to know? Who doesn't want to learn? I know I want to learn. And if you are a long-time listener, first of all, thanks again. You're awesome. And secondly, um, have you gone to iTunes and and given any kind of, you know, review or rating? Um, because that's how the iTunes algorithm works. It's, you know, downloads are great and, and downloads are great. But iTunes is more about the ratings and the stars. So if you could, uh, this is season five, and the idea behind this is five stars for five years. So if you feel that this podcast has continue has continued to grow, thrive, and be a part of the creative conversation for five years, give, give us a give, give us a a rating to match. And I thank you in advance. And when I get new ones of those, um, who knows? Maybe I'll read yours on on the air. It's garbage night, so there's lots of extra things for Strider to not eat on our walks. I don't know what it is about New York snow and how like people like people who litter, I think they think their litter is going to melt with the snow. And I am telling them it's not a thing. Alright, I think we're almost at the end of this walk, if you know what I mean. I hope you all enjoy episode 504 with my new friend Ben Coleman, super cool guy who comes from the comes from a musical theater performance background and from there has entered many different forays into this business of show from casting to theater criticism to dramaturgy to his current post as the literary supervisor for Samuel French, which is really cool. And I really enjoyed sitting down with this guy. I wanted to... Uh, we recorded this. This is my second taping at the Dramatist Guild, Mary Rogers Room, which is a lovely organization and a lovely room. There was some construction work going on in the room next door, and which didn't prove to be too disruptive. There are some moments where you're going to hear some drilling or some... It's, it's going... Just, just think of it as like New York atmosphere. Because that's, that's what it is. So apologies for the noise. Stay tuned for the end of the episode when we premiere a brand new song that I wrote for Ben on my new piano entitled Getting Lost in Brooklyn. The song, not the piano. The piano has another name, of course. All right, I think that about does it. I hope you all have an amazing day or night, week, month, year. And without further ado, here is my interview with Ben Coleman, episode 504. Let's talk about theater stuff. stuff. (laughs) Uh, Guys, I am sitting here uh, with my new friend, Ben Coleman. How's it going, Ben? It's going well, Joel. Thanks yeah. for having me. Oh my god, thank you. It's so nice to meet you. I know. We've been going off on email correspondence for a while about For a this, long time. So this yeah. This is great in person. <laughs> yeah. um, my, we were introduced by my agent, Alexis, 
Um, how do you know her? Well, so Alexis and I used to work together. I used to actually also work at the same agency. No way. Yeah. All right. Um, I was in, at the time, I was in a different department. She's in literary, and so she represents, like, writers, designers, directors, yeah. and composers, obviously, as yep. you know. Um, but I was working on the acting side of it, so I was, and this was, like, my first job out of college type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was the assistant to, like, the... Um, to the talent agents who represented all, like, the actor clients and everything. Gotcha. And so that's how I began, and that's how I got to know our mutual friend. Ben Coleman, I'm talking to you because you started on a similar track that I did. Like, you started as a musical theater performer. Sure. And then transitioned into these different facets. Is that accurate? Yes, but you probably had more of a stint as a performer than I did, I would imagine. I don't know. (laughs) Um, So so you started, you were... So... So, so the so the journey, like the, you want the path, like yeah. what, what it all, how it all uh, unfolded. Um, so yeah, so I so I went to Syracuse University. I uh, got a BFA in musical theater, uh, performance, and all that stuff. But like around my uh, junior year of college, I kind of had the uh, like come to Jesus moment. I think um, probably also like out of panic, but also <laughs> I think it was also anyway. I'll just tell you. So. Um, yeah, I just I just kind of like recognized like what the actor lifestyle was was like and all that, and um, you know just through alumni and other things, and uh, I think I just really quickly realized that as much as I really appreciated it and really uh, loved the craft of it and everything, it wasn't something where I wanted all the other stuff that came with it. Um, like what? <laughs> well, I mean, like, I think, like, the actor lifestyle. I think, you know, specifically, like, um, the auditions and, you know, the uncertainty of it and everything like that. And I think, you know, uh, going from gig to gig to gig. Um, yeah, I think that that was something that, at the time, at least, I think I would have a very different take on that now uh, as an adult. But I think, you know, as I was in my college mode, I was like, oh, that's a lot to take on. And I don't think that's, I don't know, it sounds so wimpy when I say it like no, that. No, I would actually but, um, counter that and say that it sounds very brave to figure that out <laughs> while you're in college. Because um, I think, I, I don't know, like, co- college is wasted on the young. Like, we're, you know, we, we think that we know what we're doing and we're spending tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars to pursue career. And, like, who knows what you're supposed to well, be doing? And I was like, you know? I was like a weird little college student, I think, because I was like really about um, the career stuff. And I was like, I really thought of college as a career experience more than a life experience. Mm. And again, it's like one of those things that like, looking back on my life, it's like, oh, okay, that's, that's totally fine. But like, maybe I would have taken that semester abroad and like tried to like, I don't know, live a little, rather than be like, no, I need to make my connections, and I need to study, and I need to, you know, find my internships and all those things, which I think are all, like, really positive things. Yeah. But, but it's just, I think there probably is, maybe I could have had more of a healthy balance, but, you know, who the f*** knows anything when you're 18? No, no, no one does. No, <laughs> no one 18-year-old does. knows anything. Um, <laughs> least of all this one, and I'm pointing to myself, for those of you who cannot see it's us. pointing at me. Fine. But um, please, so yeah, so junior year, I was like, I realized that I didn't want to do uh, the actor lifestyle. So I just like quickly realized though that, but I like we're new friends. But yeah. for people who don't know me, like there's just no, I can't operate outside of the theater world. I think <laughs> I think it's just something that's it's like there was no like if I was not going to pursue the actor life, which was a choice for myself, like at that age, you know. Um, there was no way that I was giving up theater altogether. Like yeah. it was like almost like, well, if you're not going to do that thing, then you like you have to go super gung ho and make the other side of the table work for you. 
And so that led me to do a bunch of, like, that was my, that's like this, like, clouds parting moment my junior year like that I'm talking about and so that like led me to do internships and I and I went to casting first so I like was interning at different casting companies and did a couple stints at a couple different places for like several semesters and um and that I just, I just think that was like the natural leap you know like from like um from like actor to if I wanted to be on the on the administrative side of theater making mm-hmm. and all that, yeah. I was like, well, what do I know? What am I really good at? I'm good at, like, knowing what good acting is and judging people. I should be a <laughs> casting director. That's Naturally. like, Yeah, that's, like, literally what I thought. Um, and so I did that, did the casting internship stuff, and then that panned out into agent work. And so then I ended up at the agency and everything and did about two years there and then went to another agency and was, like, a junior agent there and got, like, my equity franchise papers and felt super fancy for a bit. And then had, like, another moment where um, – is it okay that I'm, like, going off yeah, and talking about yeah, this, yeah, yeah. by the way? Okay. I might, I might rewind us a little bit. But. Okay, okay, okay. If, okay. Um, but, yeah, so my – after the second agency, that was, like – so the situation that I also kind of learned about, because I think as you're, like, you're going into your career, you're constantly, like, learning about the things that you're interested in and what you're good at and hopefully. all these things. Oh, yeah, hopefully. Um, but my – agent experience there it's like you know I was working with like for like a legit boutique talent agency um, that was like wrapping like very reputable Broadway regulars and people who I was like as a theater lover my whole life growing up as a collector of cast albums especially there were like so many people who I was just like gaga to be like working with and I was like this is so great and it was wonderful but I think any agent who is working for actors it's like you have to do TV theater and film clearly right Um, and uh, and I'm just, I obviously watch TV and I watch films, but it's just, it's not as much my wheelhouse and it's not as much where my passions lie. And so I, then it, it took me to this other cloud parting moment again where I'm like, well, if it's not about all three aspects of like that, then if it's just about the theater, what is it specifically about theater that is so appealing to me what is th- about theater that I keep on coming back to and keep on like wanting to put myself in an audience again and again and again um, and it's the stories it's the storytelling and mm-hmm. so then that was like oh if it's storytelling that means it's writers and if that means it's writers then that means I need to know a lot more about it <laughs> and so that and then I went back to school and got another degree and did a bunch of other time at a bunch of other different theater companies and things like that. Wow. Yeah, it's a You it's sound a long very you sound like all these aha, all these aha moments like like you sound very wise. For, oh. For, for, no, for some for, I I'm like, going to get that in writing from you in, the, <laughs> in these aha moments cuz I think it's so scary cuz like, you know, you're I assume you're like you're, you're 30s or Yeah, or yeah so, I'm 31. Yeah, 31. Excellent. <laughs> and so like you're having these moments in like your mid to late 20s. Yeah. Yeah, so like like let's go rewinding back to Syracuse. Like sure. when you were having that moment, I mean, who helped you have those conversations with yourself? Was Syracuse supportive of going in a new direction? Um, they, they certainly I mean, had. They were never an obstacle in any of that way. I think it was it was really with my friends though. There were uh, there were two other friends of mine who I had who uh, were in similar situations, and we were just kind of like we were just close and so and and I remember like sitting around in like their house one day and we were just like sitting around a a table like their dining room table and like talking about all the things that gave us anxiety but all the things that we really loved about the the theater world and uh, and I think in that moment it was just like one of these things where I think the three of us kind of like 
one of us said that he wanted to pursue general management, I think, a little bit more um, actively. And then I was talking – at that point, I was talking about casting, really. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then another friend of ours was really actually kind of done very well as a designer, like a fashion designer. Um, but it was all these um, – yeah, all these all, things like that. And so I think those were those are the people who we kind of like I think we were a good support group for each other because then we all like kind of after our junior year we were able to go to the city, get internships and we were all like no one else in our class was really looking for internships because they were looking for like summer stock work, right, right? right? They were looking to audition and so we would lean on each other and we would talk to each other and we would catch up in the city and I think kind of like check in a lot. So that was, the, um, those two buddies were definitely helpful. I think we had this this arrogant sense about us too, if I'm being completely honest, um, <laughs> where we were like, oh, we're the sane ones. Like, we're the ones who are like doing the smart choices. Like, we're going to get out and we're going to like, and we're going to live our lives and like make theater on like the other side of the of the footlights and it's going to be awesome and we're never going to have financial problems and it's going to be super easy and great <laughs> and we were completely right <laughs> about clearly clearly totally you had the benefit of having friends who like Helped you give yourself permission, right? To and I mean, it, and like I did things. have advisors in school, like who wrote me like letters of recommendation for stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then I just think from certain alumni, so that I was specifically interested in casting. I was like, well, who are the casting directors? Who do I know? It's like the, pe- the recent graduates who are going in front of people like Telsey and Company and Tara Rubin and and so forth. Yeah. And so yeah. So you then you lived a lot of life. Between undergrad and grad school, it sounds like <laughs> I like so. I, yeah, I like I told you. I said I, I was um I was very career focused, and so I actually I I graduated a semester early from school too. And Syracuse offers this program called the Tepper Semester, which is uh in it's basically a semester of master classes in New York, and that's what it was at least when I was doing it. And um you have like all your audition classes are taught by like casting directors and our musical theater audition class was taught by uh, Daisy Prince who directed Songs for New World in the last five years and is Hal Prince's daughter yes. and our accompanist for that class he was like a little guy he was no big thing I think he went on to write a musical called Next to Normal though oh. so yeah just Tom Kitt that guy, you know? that guy. Just, yeah but he was like, was like accompanying me on things like Tonight at eight, and marry me a little, and all oh these things. God. And then he's like, "Hey guys, we just cast Brian Darcy James and Alice Ripley in the show I'm doing at Second Stage." And we were like, "Wait, what? Who are you? What do we need to? What?" <laughs> it was crazy. Um, so yeah, so but that was like that was a semester that put me in New York on my first semester of my senior year, and then I graduated. So I like I lived, moved to the city after junior year, and wow. then like just I was like I'm just doing the career thing. So I was doing like internships over the summer while like working at Lululemon Athletica, and doing like internships like simultaneously with classes eventually and all this stuff. So I was like hustling. And then you went on to get your master's from Brooklyn College yeah. in theater history and criticism, <laughs> like you do, like one well, does. That, that's that second, um, that second moment of clarity in my about like another five or six six years after that. Essentially, that was me realizing that I needed to know a lot more about. I, just, I felt that I really needed to know a lot more about theater and about plays specifically. Mm. Um, I, I think I have a very like strong uh, theater education um, and I like just being a, a, like a theater junkie as a kid I really was like a ravenous connoisseur of all those things so I knew I had like a good foundation but I knew the foundation was very musical based and I wanted to really like amp up the plays and I was like pretty good with like the contemporary plays at the time because I was seeing everything right. but 
But I was like, well, what about, like, the Euripides? And what about, like, Agamemnon? And, like, Sheridan? And uh, all these other people, like Shaw? And, yeah. and all the people that I probably, like, was assigned to read in undergrad and, like, right. just probably didn't. All those things we didn't read in all undergrad. All the things that we said we read. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and so then I went to grad school. So theater, yeah, so theater history and criticism. It was, like, uh, sounds very specific and very odd. Uh, but sounds it's, great to me. It's, it was super fun. I mean, honestly, it was, um, it's, a, it's a great way to... Uh, going to debt um, uh, yeah it's a very, very entertaining and enjoyable way to do it um, but yeah so they were so but Brooklyn College is, I went to Brooklyn College it was a wonderful experience and it's like a dramaturgy light degree essentially and so um, and it's a, it's kind of thing where they were able to you, I think you can make it really what you want it to be and so it's like if you want to go to the PhD route it's an excellent program to like fast track you to the PhD but if you want to be a practitioner like I did and like work in the actual field and work in theater and contemporary theater landscape then I then they were really helpful in like making me making that a possibility for me and really getting me to do that and that was again through other like internships and other fellowships and things like that and just like really putting me at institutions that were driven that were in line with my own interests it was a two-year program and like during those two years i was pretty much like an itinerant intern at um signature theater and at new dramatists and they're they're i mean they're wonderful organizations i could never say enough nice things about them um and they're just places that you know both have playwrights at the center of their mission um Signature Theater is obviously a theater, so they produce plays. And New Dramatist is more of a, a theater advocacy organization, and they really give theater, um, a playwright advocacy organization, and they give playwrights amazing resources to develop their work and all that. And so it was like this. So to be able to kind of uh, be a part and work on projects with both of those organizations at the same time while earning this degree was like it was a it was a it was a busy two years but it was um but it was great I mean it was really something where I feel like I was able to see things from a lot of different points of view and like I said they're big hearted organizations and so I think if you if you show that you care and that you're interested and you're not like up too much I guess then they like to have you and they like to keep you around and they'll give you more projects to work on and stuff like that so uh, I think what was supposed to be like a semester long internship I've ended up being <laughs> not just one semester at all, <laughs> but it was. So lovely. you, so did you intern at Samuel French, and then no. So how yeah. how did this happen? So <laughs> I know the people here don't even know. I, so I work at Samuel French. I'm the literary supervisor. He there. is the <laughs> literary supervisor for Samuel French. And for those who who may not know, um, Samuel French Incorporated is the largest publisher of plays and musicals. Uh, helping make theater happen since 1830. Yeah, that's us. We're super old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you look great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so so how did you get it, and what is a literary supervisor? Yes. Uh, it's In great, whatever answer. Great, great question. Um, so so I, I, I mean, I got it just because I was applying for jobs when grad school was wrapping up. And, right. Haha, uh, <laughs> you're going to love this. Um, so I was... Uh. Yeah, I, w- I was looking for jobs, and I was interviewing at a number of different places, and this was one of the places that I was interviewing at, and uh, this ended up panning out, and so this like got the offer, and I was like, okay, well, that's that's how you get the job. Yeah, yeah. But it was actually, but the reason I found out about it in the first place was through our mutual friend again, Joel. Nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so awesome. because she works in lit, so you know they sell plays yep. to places like Sam French and all that, and so. She, like, had a lot of really positive things to say, which I think helped get my foot in the door. I think it's all, yeah, it's, it was definitely one of those things, though, where I feel like 
you are kind of, I, I, I find in theater, um, probably in every industry, I would imagine, why not? Um, your resume, as your resume grows, like you are a summation of your collective experiences. And I think there is something um, that was very, like there is an arc, I think, to like my professional trajectory for whatever reason. Yeah. And I feel like that did kind of like add up to a position that is about... So this will, then this is a perfect transition to say what the job is. So as a literary supervisor at Sam French, um, I'm part of a of a small team that is really responsible for um, curating our catalog, is what we like to talk about. Um, and so there's a bajillion new works happening in the city and beyond in the regional theaters in America and in the UK, of course, in Canada. Um, all the time. And so it is up to us to know all about those things and as as much detail as we possibly can and decide what are the best things for us to acquire as a company. And so basically it's us reading tons of scripts and seeing plays um, most nights and or and musicals, of course, and, um, and vetting them to see if this is something that is, it is ready, that is something that is right for our catalog, uh, something that theaters are going to want to produce, hopefully. On joelbnew.com, you can access the Something New archive by clicking on the podcast tab. There, you'll find all 90 episodes featuring conversations and performances with friends and colleagues in the theater industry, including casting director and genealogist Michael Casera. I had a lot of random knowledge that was all of a sudden useful for something, because I grew up, I was a big cast recording nerd, and I grew up just kind of loving musical theater culture and in history and and I found myself um, all of a sudden it was a very valuable skill I'm gonna bring you a little closer to the mic sure thank you we're accompanied by some construction yeah we've got some some New York sounds happening around us sure do (laughs) (laughs) a silly silly fun question as you're reading scripts for for plays and, and musicals do you ever dream cast yourself? Because <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, like you I have this, you have a, you have a performance background. Sure, so sure, like, sure. I'm and sure that never got, totally like, goes away. Yeah, you've got voices and tones yeah. in your head, and um, I. I, I don't. I don't like look for it, but I think that there are sometimes. I think it's like you know, if you see yourself in a, like a character who's like you in a TV show, maybe you gravitate more to that show for whatever reason, um, uh, or you see identify. Um, so I feel like if there's something like that, then I then I'm like oh, like I could see that, or I could see like this is a role that I would have played once upon a time, or something like that. Yeah. But it's not something where I'm like casting myself in these things. You know, like I'll <laughs> we'll add this to the catalog. Yeah, we'll only I know the just the guy. If the Bucks County Plus puts me in their lead production. <laughs> like. Mm, no, that's not really how it works. <laughs> if only. Right. Um, no doubt being a dramaturg makes you ideal for this role as well. Sure. And like, and, and let's define dramaturgy for my people. Oh. What's your definition of... Oh, boy. Um, well, I still... Okay, so I, what I would say dramaturgy is is about you know creating clarity and creating a cohesive play with a writer. I think that can uh, be a number of things. If it's new work, then obviously you're probably working on actually building and shaping the script and helping them architect it. Um, if it's if it's a existing piece, then there's probably going to also be some production history and not not just production history. I mean like historical research into the actual world of the play, whatever right. that may be. If we're doing 1776, you're probably going to have to spend some time at a library and figure out like what. 
what the original Room of Congress looked like in Philadelphia. Stuff like that. Depend- but it's all like depending on, I think, what the playwrights yeah, the needs and, of the, show uh, and yeah, the directors and all that want. Um, I should I, I do dramaturg on the side, but it's like it's definitely something that I feel like is a I, – I do not do it as often as some people out there who are fan fantastic at it and it's something that I always like would love to do more of it's challenging I think you know just with scheduling but also with um with with the job at Sam French and everything though it's like we I don't want to have too much of conflict of interest and also like dramaturg shows that could also end up being things that we might potentially acquire mm. um which is not to say that like yeah, yeah, yeah talk to me about that conflict of interest is it like like if you're helping shepherd a show mm-hmm. like as a dramaturg is there you don't want there to be any kind of like expectation that yeah i think that's and that's really what it is so any time that i've i just think that a lot of times that i've done the dramaturgical side it's a lot been more of a script consultant i think in my mm-hmm. own personal experience i've done some production dramaturgy on some like off off broadway things that has been really fun and really rewarding experience and they've gotten like some little award recognitions here and there which is great, that is great. um but a lot of it is i feel like really more like writers who will seek me out and be like hey will you like read the script and let's have coffee and let's like talk about some of your thoughts on it or things like that and whenever we have those conversations I think it's always it's it's writers understand I think we all completely get um, that no one wants to have any promises attached to things like that because and I don't think anyone really wants to muddy those waters anyway I don't no. think a player wants to come to you and be like would you dramaturg the show because I hope that maybe you can get it published it's like I think that most writer worth their salt are going to think that's icky yes and um and so, yeah, and so, and I think that we just, like, said that from the outset. It's like, just so you know, like, you know I work here, and this is the thing, and, like, that is a separate part, and these two things are not necessarily related. There's a theater review podcast called Maximu, uh-huh. and, um, and like, all of the critics are also, you know, like, employed by the public theater or yeah. employed at these other theaters. And at the very beginning, they all, uh, one of them, I forget his name, he's going to kill me, he says his name, and he's, he's like, I work for the public theater, and my views are my own. Or my opinions mm-hmm. are my own. Like he had, let's like disclaim but that yeah. every time. But it's definitely one of those things, right? I'm glad to hear that. That's actually encouraging to hear that he's actually able to go out as a member of the public and also be able to do that. Because yeah, I don't know how he does that, but yeah, well, I'm sure because he's probably talked about that and been yeah. like, you know, you have to just say my opinions are my own. Um, and that's true because I think that we all like we're all humans. We're all humans with brains, and we all think our own thoughts and have mm-hmm. our own opinions about the shows and the work that we see. And uh, and I think you know it's trying to distill that all to a place that is as objective as you can get is always the goal, but that's not always, it's all, it's never, how can you ever really be sure that that's happening? Um, so I think that we always strive for best efforts to be, you know, free of our own biases and things like that, but you never know. Sure. But it's still, I so, mean, like, that's why, that's why it's good to have. Is, is so subjective. Right. I would say. Totally. And that's why I think it's also good that like, I'm not the only person for our company who's doing this so that there are other people so that we can have discord and we can have a conversation and dialogues about those things because yeah. my tastes might not be another person's taste might not be another person's tastes. And so, and my father told me this growing up and he says, he's like, tastes are tastes. That's, that's it. It's yeah. like, doesn't mean your tastes are better or worse. It's just, that's what you like. Yeah. I like savory. So, you might like sweet. Exactly. And exactly. And so we can't go into having yeah. the same expectations. Totally. To be so satisfied I think, in the same way. yeah, um, I do feel like there is some, there are people who are more discerning about, <laughs> about some <laughs> things than others, of course, but that's of course, I think what comes from seeing lots of things and from reading mm-hmm. lots of things and figuring yeah. out how things work. When a play gets revived, uh-huh. Um, and I know sometimes there's like there are there's like a revival version, yeah. and then theaters can have the option yep. 
Um, or not. Or not. <laughs> Just, or the writers or the estates are like, nope, this is the definitive version, the end. Yeah. You're never doing the original ever again. Well, like Sideshow. They did that Sideshow revival, right? Yeah. And that's our show. And so the, the, they did a really big overhaul in the book on that. And now, you know, that's something we like reach out and we're like, hey, so can we have like the new orchestrations? Can we have the new book? Is that the definitive version of Sideshow that you want done forever? Or are you still okay with people doing the original and putting in Tunnel of Love and all that stuff? And I, and I think they want the only the revival. I'm not positive off the top of my head, but... Um, but yeah, you've reviewed shows as well. So yeah, so like Is the that... other like, because I'm always a big believer that like, um, you know, whatever your interests are in theater, yeah, I think in theater because that's all I know. Um, whatever my interests are, it's like if I'm getting like 75 percent of my desired goals, like as a theater professional from my my like salary job and all that stuff. But there are other things that I'm interested in, whether it's dramaturgy, whether it's teaching, whether it's um, reviewing or writing anything, journalism, criticism, what. Um, I think it's up to uh, you. It's up to me, at least. I find it's like no one else is going to make me do those things other than that. So I need to actually be the one who's putting myself out there and doing those things. Mm-hmm. And so there have been periods of my life like where I definitely was like writing lots of reviews. Um, and so yeah, so I was doing that. I was doing that like independently, and then also for uh, an online publication. And that is also like brought into other little things like. You know, other like other writing for other magazines and things like that here and there. Again, this is like not something that is happening constantly, but it's like, all right, I'm going to do the writing thing for a little bit now, and then it's like, all right, well, I'm going to work on this one show where I have these couple scripts to read, where I'm giving these giving these writers this feedback on this play, Um, or then. Uh, now, actually, my most like recent thing that I took on is like teaching. So I like I started teaching like a play analysis course to like the freshman college students at Marymount. That's Manhattan. great. It's like the best. That was like a really it's like really one of like the most rewarding experiences like of my life. It was really cool. Oh wow! Um, yeah, it was like I remember like we um, the students had not read Angel in America, and so of course it's a signed reading. Duh. Um, <laughs> and. So yeah, so we had like they hadn't read into Perestroika. They don't. So at first class we did like Millennium Approaches, and then none of them had read the second play yet. And so and that, when I realized that, like these kids didn't even, some of them didn't even know there was like an HBO miniseries or anything. So I was like, so I'm like teaching you this play. Like I am your intro to this amazing. Work. How cool is that? It was. It was. Um, I mean, it was like the most humbling thing ever. I thought it was like I was like, oh my god, I hope I don't. This up, but like, what an honor! <laughs> yeah. It's like I love this play. I love. Yeah. I mean, and it's not just that play. It's like so to be able to do that for, for things like that, and for Virginia Woolf, and like, my God, I was so terrified to teach things like Beckett. I was just like, oh my God, I hope I don't mess this up. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm doing Endgame right. <laughs> That's really cool. But though. so yeah, but yeah, and it's, it always like pans out into other little things. Like yeah. there was My weirdest year was I was a. Uh, I was a nominator for the Drama Desk Awards. What? Yeah, which was like a really cool thing. Uh, it was yeah. like I was really psyched about it. That's and it was awesome. awesome. It was it was I mean it's going to make a great chapter in my memoir someday. Um, but it's like but it was insane. Like I I would say I probably see upwards around like 150 shows a year. I think that's probably maybe oh. yeah, like 125 to 150 Holy at cow. least. I feel like that's probably a ballpark. Wow. That year um, so at that time, the rules, and I think they may have changed, but I think it, everything had to run 21 or more performances. Um, and that's a lot of shows. Uh, and 21 or more performances in New York City or Brooklyn. So that year was, 
I think I saw 309 shows was the final tally. Oh, my There are 365 word. days in the year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do the math, kids. It was, it, I mean, it was, it was incredible. It was like a, it was a nutso experience. It was draining and exhausting, and I definitely needed to, like, take a break from seeing things for a minute afterwards, but, it, and there are people who do that, like that gig, like years on end. Yeah. And more power to them. But I, and I also think some of them are also retired and, you know, have a little more flexibility sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely one, like the, one of the younger people they've ever had, um, which was also in its own form of very, very yeah. intimidating. Yeah. It's like, yeah. How validating, too, though. Yeah, 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 definitely. Oh, totally. Because, like, the way <laughs> it's. It, it, I don't know. I was like, why me? Like, why do you, why are you interested in like me doing this? All right. Okay. I'm like, sure. I want the job. I want to do it. But yeah. like, why? <laughs> and so, uh, but like the way that, I mean, it's, it's challenging. It's like, that gives up so much of your time. So you need people who have the availability to do it and all that stuff. Um, you, yeah. And so there's that, but then it was like, they just like grilled me forever. And it was great. I mean, it was, like, one of the most fun interviews I've ever had. But it was, like, sitting down with, like, their chairperson and the president and just, like, talking about, like, what have you seen in the past, like, 10 years? What have you loved? What do you what do you not like? What, like, what do you think about these shows? Because just, like, mainly making sure, like, you have uh, the history behind you as well. Yeah, you you've know. got the chops. You've got the references. Yeah, well, you've because got... – exactly. It's, like, if you're yeah. going to see – like, you can't – I don't think you should be on a committee like that and seeing your and seeing Sam Gold's – like new, like uh, like a Sam Gold directed play, and that being your first time seeing a Sam Gold play, mm-hmm. it's like no, no, yeah. no, you have to have reference points for that. You yeah. need to know who, like the current writers are, and the designers, and the directors, and the actors, and all that. Yeah. So I think because of the agent world, and because of lit management, and because of like the theater stuff, I kind of had those like those names kind of all like in my pocket. So that was it ended up being getting me a really cool cool year. That's of my really, life really that cool. My husband probably wants to kill me for. <laughs> Can't imagine. He's <laughs> like, when are you coming home? <laughs> uh, let's see. I've got one more question for you. Um, a lot of my, li- before we introduce the song, uh-huh. a lot of my listeners are aspiring performers. Yes. Um, what words of wisdom would you have liked someone to impart to you? That may have saved you some frustration, confusion, or heartache. Yeah. Um, I don't know if these words are things that... These are words that I, I say to people a lot because I recognize this is a common problem. I don't know a problem, but a common thing, at least, that people experience. Um, is I think you constantly... I think changing hats helps, first of all. I think that, you know, if you are an actor, I think writing something is going to make you have stronger instincts to how to approach a script. I think if you try to direct something that you're going to have stronger inclinations about your acting as well. So I think, you know, doing some sort of interdisciplinary stuff like that is just makes you sharper. And I think, because that's like the number one thing that I have realized about myself and something that actually I do wish I could have, I, I would apply if I were like, to, like if I could mash up my current self with my past self the way that I approach scripts now is so different than the way that I approached them when I was in acting school. And because when I was in school, I was like, it was, I feel like it was more about what's my role? What's my part? How many lines do I have? And all that. And now I'm like, no, it's about the story. And so when I read a play, when I read a musical, when I see one, it's about finding the story. And the best actors are the ones who realize where they sit in that story. They're the people who are not like trying to take like make not, not trying to just overly stretch their moments, but it's like you know that 
your part plays a very specific function in this play. So, like, therefore, that should color your take on that role, I think. And I think that should inform you um, in the overall storytelling scope because it's not just about you. It's a collaboration, and it's really about the story that's being imparted. So I think that that is what I always... Um, what I wish that I had, I think, been more aware of. When but it's I was not all the, about you. <laughs> not that it's not all about you, but I think it's, it's really that I think the actors need to figure out like where, like that they're re- recognized that like every character is a cog in the storytelling in a really well put together show. Mm-hmm. Of course, not every show is going to be as well made as everything else. So, like, but in the really great works, I think like when you look at a show like like something by a Chekhov or someone like that. It's like all those characters, even like the super small characters have function. They um, they add something to the text, uh, not to the text, but to the texture of the show um, and all that. And so it's not wasted. And so I think that, I think that really rigorous text analysis is actually like the best window into understanding a character, hence understanding a play and getting a better performance slash production. So that's why, that's why, and that's why I think it's... <laughs> Stories and playwrights and <laughs> dramaturgy and all those things are really important for people to to pay attention to. I could not agree yeah. more. As a as a maker of new musical theater, yeah. that's yeah. I think the, the, actors need to find their friends. I think everyone needs to find their friends because I think that if you can, if if you want to do something. None of us can wait for someone to come to us. Um, mm-hmm. We have to either go out or we have to make it happen ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you do want to be an artist or any kind of artist in the theater, um, while you are beginning, like do stuff in your apartment. Like mm-hmm. do readings in your apartment. Yep. Uh, if it's new work uh, by a playwright friend of yours, wrangle up some actors. If it's if you're just a bunch of actors and you really just want to like you can't afford acting classes right now and you want to like not sit back on your on your heels and wait for auditions to come like grab an Albie play off the shelf and just like work through it and yeah. and do it with your friends and stuff like that and yeah and so yeah and collaboration so i think collaborating with your with your artist friends is is like the best thing and those are the, and cuz at the end of the day also also <laughs> is like people eventually like want to work with their friends it's like everyone mm-hmm. wants to work with people who they like right yeah. and so people who once they start like actually making their ways like you never know whose stars are going to rise and all that and then they usually take some people with them right because yeah because they've had a history of working together and they do it well together and they like each other and so yeah it's like exploit your friendships because you never know who's going to be famous (laughs) (laughs) that's the message you know and they're doing the same thing like vice versa you know hopefully you know they they believe in you as much as you believe in them find your find your tribe and if you're if you can't find it make it yes exactly make your tribe just don't be gross about it. Don't yeah. be icky. Obviously, don't like. Yeah, be genuine, sincere, yeah. and you know, we all we all want the same things. We yeah. all want to succeed, and we want to be. So we we want to surround ourselves with people who also want to succeed. Mm-hmm. I think that perpetuates success. Totally. Um. So yeah, good yeah, advice. You can't like. There are ways of creating opportunities that is not that are not opportunistic. Yes, like, that, that is not slimy. Yeah. That's a, I yeah. think, that's my log line. That's a good, right that's a good one. <laughs> ben um, inspired me to write a new song called Getting Lost in Brooklyn. 
and um, he was so kind to learn it and perform it here today. Anyone who follows me on Instagram, um, you know that I got a new upright piano in my apartment, and it's so beautiful. Her name is Alicia Keys. I'm really excited. <laughs> <laughs> and um, this is actually the first song that I wrote on that. I'm so, so I'm so flattered. That well, I'm so special. Well, I'm flattered. Um, you sent me some recordings, and you have a beautiful voice. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> thanks so much, Joel. So thank you for uh, inspiring the song into being. Please. Thanks for All the good parts of the song. I don't think I've ever had anyone like write a song for me. So no? I was like, I don't think so. Not not one that was good and memorable like this. So, <laughs> so it's only the best song that anyone has written for me. Oh, I guess in that way it could you. also be the worst song. I guess too. That's true. No one that's else true. has ever written one. Let's um let's go with the former though. <laughs> but we're gonna say it, take a glass half full approach because it is a really good song. Thank you. Well, you sound great on it. Like um I listened to some other things that you've sung before and like I would say you have an affinity for statement songs. Oh, okay. Like, like almost like borderline anthemic. <laughs> and so. So I kind of like took that into consideration as well as I wrote it. So that's great. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I love so, it. I love um, it. So, so guys, let me know what you think. If you like it, uh, this song is going to be on YouTube and on SoundCloud. If you want sheet music, let me know. Be sure to follow me on all things social media, and you may find those links and so much more on joldenew.com. Uh, please follow Ben at Ben Reviews. That's me on Twitter. Um, do you have another handle? Instagram. And on Instagram, Ben Reviews? Ben Reviews on Insta and Twitter. Excellent. I take, I take lots of pictures of playbills and, and shows I'm seeing, and I usually put a little positive response about the show afterwards. It's nice. I hope it's cute. <laughs> you can say it's cute. You can claim the cuteness. Uh, subscribe to rate, review this podcast, tell your friends all about it. Uh, remember to go to iTunes and like give a little review. Um, remember five stars for five years. That would be great. Uh, special thanks to um, the Dramatist Guild for hosting us today, especially uh, Emmanuel Wilson, their office manager. Super awesome, nice organization. So proud to be a member for All so the many years. For playwrights and, and composers. I know. So they, they talk about theater advocacy. We have lots of love for the Dramatist Guild in this room. <laughs> in the Dramatist Guild. In the Dramatist Guild, yeah. I also want to thank uh, Matt Tamanini over at Broadway World. Um, and last but not least, Ben Coleman, thank you for being on my show today. Thanks so much, Joel. It was a pleasure to get to meet yeah, you. Yeah, I know. This is really great. I look for, I mean, you know, now that we're in each other's circles, I'm. I know. I'm sure <laughs> it's going to. We're yeah. going to keep running into each other. Exactly. We'll see each other in all the things. Yeah. I can't wait. Um, and from the Mary Rogers Room here at the Dramatist Guild in New York, this is Joel B. New. And Ben Coleman. Saying thank you for dropping by for something new.
perhaps I'd just collapse and fall apart. All I know is I'm gonna get really, really lost in Brooklyn. But if knowing's half the battle, it's a start. It's awful when you can't tell north from south or east from west. You try everything, but still you're overwhelmed and super stressed. You tell your friends they act surprised, but you know they're all impressed. You move to Brooklyn. I miss my friends in Inwood, and I wonder how they are. And I sit around all moody, playing songs on my guitar. I ask them to come visit me, but they say that it's so far now that you're in Brooklyn. I almost never know where I am going. Pity party set for one. Please don't make fun. I'll fall apart. All I know is I'm starting to feel really, really lost in. Don't they say it's all about the journey? That's not been my experience at all. Whoever said that didn't know my situation. Why not tell me where to start and then the destination and help me to remember that a train can occasionally stall. I walk around like my sense of direction's never wrong. But I somehow always get there. It may take me twice as long. At least I'm going somewhere unlike this song about Brooklyn. It's not as bad or scary as I like to make it sound. And the view is kind of beautiful when I get turned around. Let's not forget to not forget the someone I found. I almost never know where I am going. I'll turn left instead of right. That's when there might be a delay. All I know is I'd like to get really, really lost in Brooklyn. Getting lost in Brooklyn in a whole new way. Theatrical media.